me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 51 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode I'm joined yet again by my friend Connor, a proud member of the Metallicast Militia. If you missed last week's episode, go back and listen to that one first. We talked about the first half of the Cutting Stunts set list in Cutting Stunts Part 1. This is part two we talk about the second half of the set list and we get to the cunning stunt at the end of the show and it is so epic and maybe a little bit cheesy when you look back on it but you know we get into all that and so much more because again we go down many rabbit holes and have many tangents along the way this episode was a lot of fun to do, as it always is with Connor. So here is our conversation, continued, about cutting stunts. I am joined yet again for the second week in a row, my pal Connor, a proud member of the Metallica Show. <laughs> this is now your third time on the show. He, of course, it's the same show though. <laughs> so yeah, it, this is a uh, part two. If yeah. you're just tuning in, of cunning stunts, not to be confused with my nickname in high school, cunning stunts. Stunning cunts. All <laughs> oh, right. Which I hear is actually why they called it cunning stunts because there's like a. Can call it that. Well, it's like you know, well, obviously it's the big stunt at the end, which we'll get to since we're covering the yeah. same of the set list in this one. But I heard it was uh, the rumor is that it was you know spin on that uh, phrase. Yeah, I heard that they couldn't put it on the DVD because it's you know got the word cunt in it. Well, yeah, usually that is the big no-no word, even more than fuck, yeah. I think, you know? They already got away with shit, with live shit, binge and purge. And by the mm-hmm. way, uh, I had to correct myself in my outro last week. I misspoke about the box set. Uh, the Mexico City 1993 show was the CD. CD, San uh... Diego 1992 uh... was the other video in addition to Seattle 1989. Okay. But right. uh, nobody added me, and we are recording this. At this time, the show has been out for over twenty-four hours. So that's a good sign. I think my correction yeah. did the job. Nobody had to. Nobody felt the need to correct me, or maybe mm-hmm. everybody who listens is just not a dick. Yeah, that's I mean, also a strong no, possibility. I mean, no one added me uh, uh, saying how my pain is wrong, so I'm quite glad about that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I got a follow, but. I got a follow at the, at the podcast, so yeah, that's, that's a plus. That's that that is a big plus. Has anybody added you about uh, the Shia LaBeouf uh, filmography yet? No, no, no I'm not had any ads for that. Because I was actually I, hoping we could just spend the next hour or so talking about his <laughs> films rather than cutting stuff. I mean, I mean, 
I, I kind of I've not watched many Shia LaBeouf films, but I've seen like one that was pretty good. What well, What was the one that was pretty good? The one that you mentioned last time? Yeah, it's like, I think it's called like The Dart or something like that. <laughs> we it's, still it's, do we, not we, know the name right. of this goddamn no, movie. I'll look up now. I'll look up now. Actually, <laughs> uh, it's very built. Uh, it had like big holes, like a bunch of our teenagers. Uh, is that a cold hole? Shy. I just want Shy LaBeouf. S H I A. I know yeah. Shia. The LaBeouf part, I can guess. But LaBeouf. LaBeouf. It's, a, it's called Holes. came out in 2003. Oh, Holes. Yes, I've seen Holes. You were yeah, calling it a... like darts or some shit. No, it was dart I was saying. Like dart. Like oh, dirt. Dart. Yeah, because I, I just... Yeah. Just... It's that Scottish <laughs> accent that does it. Yeah. I, I, you I, make the dirt like... sound like dot. Dirt. Dirt. <laughs> I have, how about I say fucking uh, dirt, dirt. It's <laughs> way is that your American accent? That's not bad. Yeah, dirt. Yeah, dirt. Yeah. Wait, I mean, so... I need to talk to a lot. I need to talk to a lot of Australians, so yeah. I, I cannot build accents. So wait, what? As as a uh, somebody from Glasgow, Scotland, mm-hmm. okay. what what is like the overall thought on the American accent? There are we? Do we just sound like dumb rednecks to you guys? No, there, uh, you can definitely tell there's different dialects. A bit yeah. like Scotland, there's um, views probably won't be able to tell different Scottish dialects. It probably all sounds the same. Right. But the one thing that is known, well, what is said is Americans say words wrong. Aluminium, aluminum. Well, aluminium is not how you say it. No, it's aluminum. Yeah, it's aluminum. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And people just, it's, people are like, they say, oh, Americans are wrong and stuff. It's, well, that's like a, that's like in fairness, thing. we probably usually are. I mean, I mean, so like that's that's coming from me. Like, I I'm terrible at like same words. Like, my pronunciation is terrible. Yeah. But like, there's me thinking like, I think I say words better than any other country. Like, English accent says stuff wrong. And then yeah. But people, people could be like, look at like Scotland. Be like, what are they on about? Like, I I don't know what they're saying. Well, I part of the problem too with you guys and the Irish is that you're drunk all the time, right? So. Well, you just slur that accent together. And I say that, all right, I know it's a stereotype. I know it's a stereotype. But I say that because stereotypes are are often true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, we make amazing whiskey, but yes, it's the Irish get drunk. We, we, our stereotype is headwin. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the I mean, harder if shit, you've yeah. you ever seen Trainspotting, then it's, oh, yeah, it's basically... Course, yeah. basically uh, it's basically a documentary of Scotland. Oh wow! <laughs> it's, it's not really. It's, it's just a. It's a it was a movie made in a, a novel made in a movie. Yeah. About uh, Scottish heroin use in Edinburgh. Not but a movie funny, but, starring Shia uh, LaBeouf. No, it's not starring Ewan McGregor, yeah. who is also Obi Wan. Oh yes, yes, yes! Yeah. Coming soon to Disney Plus. So oh, if you no, want to get no. your Ewan <laughs> McGregor, Obi Wan, and Shia LaBeouf holes fix. <laughs> Disney Plus is sponsoring yeah. this episode oh, of Metallicast. More Metallicast podcast. Yeah, you know, we we talk about anything. Yeah, but um, a fun fact: about when you're on the show, especially Disney Connor, Plus. we really go down these holes. Get I mean, it? Get yeah, it? Uh, ah. I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> 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 no, um, I will say, Train Spotting. Funny enough, it's set in Edinburgh, but most of the film is filmed in Glasgow. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, like a lot do of they use is. your real Glasgow heroin? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure like there is a some fancy technique they use to like shoot like. There's a scene where like 
you see like the inside the needle right. but like it's the shot with inside the needle sort of thing and it's some fancy sort of like thing they did to do it yeah i can't remember what they did but it's pretty bogging i have like, not seen that movie since i was in college and i'm pretty sure i was hammered when i watched it that's so, a great film yeah i gotta rewatch that sometime i mean like it was Sober. what was it the kevin bridges joke is a the Kevin Bridges joke with Scott Scottish guy says um the Scottish independence we're gonna show um Braveheart on STV, the day of independence. Hey, that's us one 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 Scotland and then right after it's gonna be transport transport but like, oh that's also us. <laughs> <laughs> we're also heroin junkies. Well, you know where there are also drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Fort Worth, Texas. How do you like that for a transition? I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, that's just as good as a transition from uh, Master Puppets to Enter Sandman. Thank you. I appreciate you that. Go. I mean, that is why I am a podcast professional. I also have to uh, take a moment to apologize if I sound a bit nasally. I'm fighting a cold right now. So if you hear me with like a little bit of the sniffles mm. or a little bit of a nasalness to my voice. Is nasalness a word? I'm going to say it is. A little bit of I said nasally. nasally. No, I said nasally before. I was trying to put a different spin on it. Um, uh, I think I failed, though, right? I should have just said nasally again. Nasally. Yeah, yeah. plus nasally. All right, so let's I mean, say nasally uh, for a second time, I guess. I mean, I'm just trying <laughs> to expand everybody's vocabulary, but uh, Connor's mm. telling me that I'm a dumb American, so I'll say nasally uh, again. But the I one... mean, Americans are dumb. So. <laughs> I'm kidding. Fair, the, no, I'm that's kidding. fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> we deserve that most of the time. <laughs> Yeah, you, sl- you slag my <laughs> but, but I will say this. Um, God damn it, now I forget what I was going to say. It was a really good point, too. But I guess it just goes with the dumb American. Uh, <laughs> can, I, can I jump on back at the you getting a cold bit? I'm making sure yes. it's not COVID because a little-known secret is I flew to America to record this in the same room, so I'm needing to wear a mask. Oh, it is. It's it's definitely COVID. <laughs> Only yeah, because I'm, you're here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, need, I need to wear a mask. I'm in a whole hazmat suit. You don't yeah. know I've got the mic in the, who's in the suit. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> I was wondering who that was in my closet. Being I mean, a, I mean, I've been, I've been here since Sunday. So, I mean, you, you haven't even offered me dinner. Well, listen, I'm offering you <laughs> COVID or cold, one of the two. Take your pick. It's roll the dice. It's a gamble. Um, and uh, the good news is that uh, I don't have a fever. I don't have. Uh, I still have my taste and my uh, smell. Mm. It's really just congestion. This is really a cold. Yeah. My uh, my wee little daughter has a runny nose, and I think I caught it from her. Too many uh, daddy kisses. You know what I'm saying, Connor? Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say I would take. I wouldn't take either because a cold kills me just as bad as a COVID probably would. Yeah. 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 I, I'm out for two weeks. That must mean you're a little bitch. <laughs> I mean, my, I mean, the setup I mean, was I mean, there. I, mean, I just went for it. I mean, the joke was there. I'll, I'll, I'll fault you for that one, but I mean, my immune system is a little bitch. So. Yeah. Well, that's no good. I don't want you to get sick. I don't want you to catch my cold. Put keep the hazmat <laughs> suit on. Stay in the closet. Uh, we can hear you just fine from in there. Somehow, it's not distorted through the mic. Um, it's quite a miracle. Um, uh, oh, I know what amazing. I was going to say before. The nasalness, right? <laughs> I, there, I used the word again. I'm going to keep on using it till it's a word. The nasalness uh, of my voice, <laughs> it's, it, it could help with my Dave Mustaine impression. Oh, I mean, true. <laughs> do, you, do you hear it? Is it any better? Yeah. Is it any better, you think? Is, uh... I mean, if you shout Holy Wars. Uh, maybe... Holy Wars. Yeah, we bet. Yeah, I can see that. All right. 
Cool. Uh, okay. Well, we're almost 11 minutes in and we've not yet <laughs> really talked about Cunning Stunts or even Metallica. Yeah. So yeah. last time to, we were together for Cunning Stunts part one, we broke down mm-hmm. the first half of the set list. Of course, we went uh, down uh, many rabbit holes along the way, um, just mm-hmm. like we did for the last you know, 10 minutes here. But uh, today we are doing a track by track breakdown of the second half of the cutting stunt set list. We left off last time with the beloved thrash metal masterpiece. That is nothing else matters. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that kind of sums up nothing else matters. Yes. You know, I yes. still I sort of bowed and it picks up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, I think it was a good song, with the, the way they played it. Oh, totally. And if you want to hear all of our thoughts, then you need to go back and listen to episode 50 of Metallicast. That's my cheap plug for the day. But what we started talking <laughs> about with Nothing Else Matters is that now the set list continues to kind of build back up momentum gradually. If we look yeah. at the next song, which is the first one we'll talk about here, um, and... If I'm not mistaken, the last load track to appear in this set list, mm-hmm. the first single offload, yeah, until it sleeps. Well, isn't, isn't King Nothing a single in that? Yeah, but King Nothing was earlier in the set. No. Oh right, I thought you were talking about it. It was the first single. Oh Connor, about, about you know what? <laughs> oh, that hazmat suit's <laughs> fucking with your brain, man. I I mean it's COVID. That's what it is. Oh. I might have the COVID. I might have just spared it. You only have COVID of the brain, I think, dude. I think Come on now. Remember last time <laughs> and we were talking about King Nothing and how you thought it was like just a so-so single. We talked about it for like 10 minutes. We It was like literally yeah. three days ago, Connor. That's how much this podcast means to you. Just forget about it three days later I, with your, I mean, you know what? Fuck you, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember what I had for dinner yesterday. I mean, That's fucking fair. Three days ago. <laughs> That's fair. But you had a, you had a chicken and uh, potatoes. You passed it through the door. Yes, I did. <laughs> Whether you ate it or not, that's not my problem. I mean, it's kind of rotten a wee bit, but it's all right. It's all right. I'll, I'll still how has how's it been like uh, living under my stairs for the last three days? You, you guys are noisy yeah, going up and down the stairs. I'm trying to get a wee kip and... That's when... I'm about uh, like a James Hetfield ref. Well, yeah, that's when uh, I... The, you've just experienced three days of my Metallica mornings where I just blast Metallica and act like James Hetfield. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's basically me. I mean, it's basically my living. Literally after the after the podcast uh, ended Saturday, I was literally just fucking jamming out to you know real reloading reload era, just full blast singing and everything. Yeah, well, it's this even morning, as we talked about last time, this concert, you know, it, going back to this concert in, mm-hmm. it makes me miss the load era songs in the set list. You know, we were yeah. talking about how we wish we they would. Uh, bring a couple back like until it sleeps was a massive hit as well as mm-hmm. the other singles and really you only hear the memory remains and fuel these days on a consistent yeah. basis uh what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on until it sleeps uh this both this performance and just as a single offload uh, as a single i would probably say it's one of the better metallica singles out there uh just as it gradually picks up in like like heaviness it i yeah. think it's like what the second course that just that drum, that snare drum, oh, right, yeah. It, it make it makes it makes me melt. Like just you hear just uh, James gradually getting louder and kind of shouting. Totally. 
you know, it's like it's a great single. Uh, on this, on this, um, on this uh, concert, it's actually a really, really good version of it. They kind of nail it down a wee bit, like they they perfected it a wee bit in the live setting. While yeah. in like here today or King Nothing, you hear James' voices kind of break. Yeah. So I feel like it was more perfected. Yeah. Than in those other songs. You know what? It's funny you say that about James Hetfield's vocals. That was one thing that stood out to me as I was rewatching this was just, and I'm not saying this as a criticism against him because I think mm-hmm. the vocals in this concert were perfectly fine. I'm saying this as a compliment okay. because I they just stood out as weaker compared mm-hmm. to where he is right now in 2020. Yeah, uh, like when you hear him in the acoustic settings, when you hear him on the World Wire tour, mm-hmm. uh, he, like his voice is just top notch right now i think and he's really um he's really been able to find the perfect balance between like the old bark yeah and sort of the more uh melodic uh Mm -hmm. uh sound of this era he's kind of found like the perfect balance and he's gotten his voice Mm -hmm. uh he he just knows how to work with his voice more to get the falsettos to to like just everything he's doing right now is so well done on the vocal mm-hmm. front and i was just thinking like when i was listening to uh this performance of until it sleeps and earlier uh king nothing and hero of the day mm-hmm. and all these little tracks like i would love to hear 2020 james hetfield tackle these songs with his yeah uh more refined mm-hmm. matured vocals exactly i mean there has been like some songs that brought out the the catalog like uh, bleeding me or outlaw torn as we were speaking about the other day um, they do sound really good uh, with twenty twenty sound. Yeah. Uh, but there is some bits of this concert. I will say that it's in this. It's in the second on the second disc where a song. It's I know it's just a jam, but like it sounds oddly different. But I can still kind of dig it. But it's still just a jam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But it's like as I say, if if they brought out bleeding me for like a extensive like. Uh, like if they brought like Enter Sandman, like they brought it every concert or two, like I think that would be great, you know. Because Bleeding Me is a fantastic seven-minute track or something. If they resurrect Bleeding Me as a consistent part of their set list, or even just as a one-off, yeah, um, I will do something drastic um, <laughs> to show my devotion to the band. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that is one of their all-time great songs. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. go on record to say it. And mm-hmm. uh, definitely, I think uh, I think to like the real hardcore nerds um, mm-hmm. that kind of grew up in that era, we appreciate that song. But for other people yeah. from other eras, I think it's sort of an underappreciated song. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I when um, Bruno McDonald, the author, was on here a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, we were talking yeah, about that track because that song appeared in his book, uh, Six Hundred Sixty Six mm-hmm. Songs to Make You Bang Your Head Until You Die. And yeah. it was sort of an unlikely, uh, you know, song on the surface for uh, mm-hmm. to make a cut of a book like that. And we were talking about it, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, on the 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 band, at least James has sort of been on the record as saying when mm-hmm. they were performing that live, they just mm-hmm. felt it sort of like people did not really understand it, and just like yeah. it just was like a little bit too mellow, kind of like killed the mood. But I think now mm-hmm. with you know that generation of fans being mm-hmm. older like myself there'd mm-hmm. be a new appreciation for that song and for just the yeah. load reload material in general 
Yeah, um, I mean, I can see why they would think it's like a you know bit of a gloomy, doomy song a wee bit, like it's a bit of a downer. Yeah. But as you said, like the that generation of fans have grown up and you know they they, they would have passed it down. The that like that these albums like Load and Reload, like all us and us, is a really good album. Right. And it passes on that sort of the same sort of way with like Black Album was like to like the generation before you, and then yeah. like Ride the Lightning and all that, but definitely like they should definitely bring it back because it's along with outlaw torn are just underrated classics yeah i agree and i still remember i still remember the first time i'll ever listen to uh bleeding me i was on my i was i think i was like 15 and i was playing it on my ipad that didn't have internet uh <laughs> i had to i had to download songs from uh my girlfriend's house yeah so um I was uh, just I had the headphones in and I was just that drum again that drum the, the drums in that album are phenomenal mm-hmm. just a fat sound on them and just sure, drumming yeah. away I can't even play drums I was just drumming away to it yeah absolutely it's a phenomenal song if, like, what you like you said it's one of my favorites yeah of all time yeah I agree I love the you know in the in the lyrics on uh you know that I was sort of even more so than the Black Album, just really personal for James Hatfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bleeding Me be yeah. one of those. And Until Sleeps being another one of those, talking about his uh, you know, father's battle with cancer. And uh, yeah. you know, when, when I sort of expose some of the um, inspiration behind these lyrics, like a song like Until Sleeps took on new life for me. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, like mm. I, I interpreted one way, and now I could totally interpret these lyrics in the way that he yeah. uh, means it, you know? So I like that mm-hmm. about that material a lot. And I think um, a lot of the, you know, the focus on load and reload was more on the vocals and the lyrics and like the mood and atmosphere of the song more mm-hmm. so than like the riffs, the riffs were still there. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. The souls mm-hmm. were still there, but it was just yeah. less of a focus than on the first five and especially the first four albums. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's, as you said, uh, James's dad's battle with cancer. The whole so that's what the whole song's about. It's quite a shame actually, because in the year and a half Metallica DVD, you see James's dad in the studio with them talking about how how James has progressed as a guitar player, how they put him on the piano and stuff. Yeah, and it's a shame from him looking at James like, "Oh, I'm quite proud of what he's become." Mm-hmm. To the next album where James is having to sing about his battle with cancer, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, they had a very complex and complicated relationship by all mm-hmm. accounts that you hear and read about and uh, especially from james himself you know um yeah. but you know just uh it, it it takes on new meaning when you hear some of the inspiration by some of these songs and mm-hmm. but you know musically like i was saying the set list starts to build back up with from nothing else matters to until it sleeps which starts kind of mm-hmm. low and brooding and builds up with those big horses like you mentioned yeah. and b- by the way just a quick note before we go to the next song the music video for until seeps always reminded me of losing my religion music video by aria a wee bit a, right? wee, bit. a wee bit just like yeah. kind of like a little bit more um dark dark and evil yeah it's like yeah. the more evil version of losing my religion i will i will say the until seeps music video as like it didn't help the matter of the fact that the band were changing their sound, like how everyone's like, oh, they just went into hit hard rock. They're not long. No, they're, no, they're no longer fresh. That video yeah. did not help whatsoever because you've got them all painted in black and all that, and 
sure. being like, not not to say like that they are trying to be like it, but it's sort of a Hollywood sort of thing. Like oh, sure. we're like we're a, we're a sort of big band, like a sort of eighties music video, where like it's all like production mm-hmm. sort of thing. Well, the. Well, the image was a big part of it. I think. I think the image was a bigger mm-hmm. part of it for some people than the music. And mm-hmm. you know, I was actually thinking that when I was looking at the Cunning Stunts cover, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it shows the band backstage, and it's kind of like a casual picture of them after a concert in the dressing room. Uh, yeah. But then you have like Kirk Hammett, who's like leather pants, shirt <laughs> off like black eyeliner, like doing that yeah. like rock star pose. Like he looks more Dave Navarro than he does Kirk Hammett, you know? Nah, nah exactly. I, I agree. But um, at least it's better than the video. I can't remember what concert it was, but it was, at least it's better than the video of Kurt uh, running into the bathroom before a minute before a show and trying to pee a cup. At least it's better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that the other day and I, was, I forgot how funny it was. He's like, I need a piss. I need a piss. <laughs> He just turns to the guy and goes, ah, you want a beer? <laughs> <laughs> so then after Till it Sleeps, it's pretty much old school the rest of the way. Uh, yeah. We go into For Whom the Bell Tolls, continuing that gradual progression and heaviness. And uh, mm-hmm. just, I mean, what is there to say besides this is a great live track. It's a great performance mm-hmm. here. The band always does a, a, a bang up job with this one. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a classic live track. If you see the band, it's right up there with, you know, chanting, uh, yelling, seek and destroy or chanting die during creeping death or saying master, Mm -hmm. master. It's just one of those live staples now uh, that Mm -hmm. you come to expect from them. Yeah, I will say, even though this version of the song is really good with Jason singing, like he's not even singing, he's just screaming. And with the the bass doodle of the intro, um, it Mm -hmm. doesn't top the version that Jason did, I think it was 1992 at Donington or 91, mm-hmm. uh, where that you can, cause I had this on my dad's iPod cause it was years ago. Sure. I had it on my dad's iPod and I just listened to it and it, that wow, 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 wow. sound mm-hmm. incredible. And it, like, I, I don't even think I can listen to any other Jason way played to be honest. Yeah. But it was a very, it was a very good live rendition of it from this concert. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Jason Newstead vocals because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Cliff Burden's my favorite Metallica basis yeah. if I have to choose one. I mean, the man was a genius. He mm-hmm. was the reason why I personally picked up a bass when I was in high school. And, yeah. I, you know, I've gone through, gone into all that as, uh, uh, uh on this podcast. And I love mm-hmm. Robert Trujillo. I'm not saying this to take away from him at all. I think he's mm-hmm. the perfect man for the job right now. And yeah. I think in a lot of ways, I would rather watch, rob play if i had to choose between rob or jason in terms of just mm-hmm. watching them do like a bass solo i would want to watch yeah. rob i just think he's more varied in his style and just mm-hmm. is a ph- phenomenal all-around musician and uh yeah. technician on the bass um mm-hmm. but jason you said and i'm not saying that to diminish his bass playing at all because he is superb and again he was the perfect man for the band during yeah. that era he had that big thick mm-hmm. deep bass sound he used the yeah. pick it was just really super tight rhythm section with lars which you know aided for the uh which really went well especially with the black album on the load and reload era when things were a little bit more slow were a little slower more groove oriented it just was mm-hmm. he was the perfect man for the job during this era but i miss 
I miss his background vocals more yeah. than anything. And whenever I see a, a live clip of Jason, I'm like, oh, I miss mm-hmm. him so much in the live setting. He yeah. was such a great performer. Not that mm-hmm. the others are not either or were not because they most mm-hmm. definitely are and were. But there's just something about those like almost death metal cookie monster growls you know yeah destroy like jason newstead held down the metal he he, yeah for many years i think people would say he put the metal in metallica (laughs) he just sort of was the guy who never strayed um from his from those roots in that way and just always wore it on you know worn on his sleeve as like i'm the metal guy in the band and it shows in those background vocals just the ferocity and the deep bellow and growl and that he mm-hmm. would um, that he would do. And it's funny because when he did his band years later, uh, Newstead, yeah. and he was mm-hmm. the vocalist, not knocking yeah. it, but like it didn't have the same delivery to me. Of like it had mm-hmm. way more impact in that live setting. I mean, I don't know if it was because he was older, if it was a because I you know it's a studio recording compared to like mm-hmm. the live sound and plus you know he's singing a full song rather than just like you know a few lines here there i don't know what the difference was but it definitely was not the same in my book but those backgrounds for metallic live by him are just unparalleled i mean you say robert hill you'd rather have him over jason i'm the opposite i love jay i love robert like anyone else like as anyone much loves robert He's an amazing bassist, amazing technician, as you said. I mean, he played with Ozzy for fuck knows how many years. Yeah, and Suicide and Ozzy's just so many great bands. Yeah, and Ozzy's one of my favorite guys. But the the way Jason kind of held himself around had life setting, it kind of sells me with it. Well, like, Rob is an amazing technician. He doesn't have the same, I keep using the word, the aggression of, uh, you know, Jason. Sure, yeah. And there's one song that like I can never get enough of and it's live uh in Seattle when they're singing Whiplash. Yeah. And he's got Jason just growling into the mic for about like a minute. <laughs> he's, not, he's, not, he's he's it's not even like he's doing it slow, he's keeping up with James's riff. Yeah. And in fact I think some points he's going faster because James has to shout while screaming, like shout while Jason's screaming. Yeah. And get the song finished and that, like that is just top jason for me sure totally 100 percent. also when he does um seek and destroy they do that yeah. on the black album tour where they made it like just to go with the again last episode we were talking about sort of how that was like all that tour for them was like all about access and like rock stardom with like dueling mm-hmm. drum solos with james and lars and a three-hour yeah. set no opener it's like we can finally do this so we're gonna do it type thing and mm-hmm. uh to go along with that doing it like an 18 minute version of seek and destroy yeah. where jason handles a lot of the vocals and james goes into the crowd and has people mm-hmm. yell you know seek and destroy yeah. it's it's you know but yeah great example with whiplash as well i just i i miss him in life saying i and and i'm not gonna argue with you because you made all great points and Mm -hmm. i agree with everything that you said 100 percent. well thank you (laughs) i'm always right (laughs) you know what (laughs) connor wait that doesn't mean you can step out of the closet connor get the fuck back in there all right don't take the mask off connor Uh Okay. You're gonna I'm get gonna, the I'm, sniffles. I'm, all right. That's, I'm just gonna. I'm just, I'm just gonna put your hat on. The sniffles are worse than the, uh, than COVID. All right. Yeah. I'll agree. Because 
COVID makes you sick, obviously. But yeah. the sniffles are like, you know, it's just it hurts my yeah. nose. It hurts my nose. It's constant runny nose. It's yeah, horrible. and it's like, oh, my nose is runny again. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, my dad had COVID, so like, yeah. he said it was absolute murder for about two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'm you saying know, he... this not to make light of it, by the way. And <laughs> I, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would rather have the sniffles in COVID, to be honest. <laughs> um, I mean, I would rather um, have neither. <laughs> nah, <laughs> be no. I've had to pick life or death. Pick life. I was more just making light of the fact that I have the sniffles and I'm complaining about yeah. it. Yeah. It's all good, man. It's all good. I, I called uh, you a little bitch before. I think I'm actually the little bitch. <laughs> I mean, I've not had a cold this year. Fingers crossed, not wood. Well, when you leave my house, you will, so. I mean, I'm still leaving this hazmat suit. I've not took it off. <laughs> I don't, you don't want to know how I've done the toilet. Am I going to wake up in the morning and just find a hazmat suit and know you? <laughs> You're going to find a hazmat suit in a bucket. And the other from you the day before. <laughs> <laughs> So we have yeah. after from the bell tolls a black album staple wherever I may mm-hmm. roam. I mean, I I just feel like in the second half it's just, you know, it's it's staple after staple for the most part. Yeah. A couple of little surprises near the end, but it's just all old school classics, you know. We've, yeah. After, do you have anything to add about wherever I may roam? Um, I've not got anything to add about wherever I may roam. It's the second half of the concert. I was on the phone with my dad telling him all. Oh, like he was yeah. asking how the podcast went and I was like, Oh, it was really good and he was we're just kinda of reminiscing about how when we watched us and he just says, It's a really good concert, but the second half of it just kinda it lo- not loses energy, but it kinda loses has a loses attention a wee bit. It's not as in your face a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Well, like you've got like uh you know uh, so let me look at this. You got Bad Sea Jam, you got Creeping Death, you got Ain't My Bitch, you got King Nothing, and all that. Yeah. And I think, even though these are great songs they are playing, it's not as like they would play them at the forefront of a main gig. Like, if like Sing Destroy was at like the last song, or uh, La- Leper Messiah was like the 11th song in, or something like that. Right, sure. You know? Well, I think that's. I mean, once you have seen and heard Metallica live so many times, it, it the the we were talking about this last time with like Sad but True, mm-hmm. um, like it, I never get tired of hearing these songs. Do not get yeah. me wrong, but it's like okay, how many times have I heard From the Bell Tolls, Wherever I May Roam, and Fade to Black mm-hmm. Live, and we get those songs one after the other. And if I'm there live in person, it's one yeah. thing. But when you're at home watching it, like I want, I want more rarities and deep cuts and or just things I've not heard in a long time. Like at this point, they were playing until it sleeps and King Nothing all the time. But mm-hmm. now it's been years since I've really heard live versions of it. So to go back and hear those songs is yeah. phenomenal for me, you know. But yeah. like they're still playing from the Bell Tools and wherever may Roman fade to black with them because, like I said, they're live staples. But I think once you hear them so many times, you become almost like. Um, jaded and spoiled by hearing yeah. them you know it's like it's like yeah. oh yeah we it's great every time i love it every time but yeah. it they also play it every time yeah i get yeah i feel that I, again i can feel that but uh, i will say the, the band kind of it's still full of energy but like it's uh, it's like the gig's not but it's alive you know the crowd doesn't seem really into much of the stuff yeah a wee bit towards the end and I'm gonna to get to that when when the whole cunning stunt spit happens. Yes, because uh, the crowd. Because I actually I was killing myself laughing. 
What's up? <laughs> okay. It's, it's so funny. Now, do you think it has... Well, I, I'm interested to hear why you think that is with the crowd. What's your opinion behind that? I, I'm... I'm not trying to sound like like pure Metallica elitist because I'm not right. Like I do, I, I am a Metallica fan that doesn't like certain Metallica songs, even though most of their catalog is pretty perfect in my opinion. But sure. a lot of the, it seems like a lot of the crowd uh, just want the hits, like Sandman, Sabotage, you know, stuff like that. Kind of like, like a more. So you're you're playing it more friendly. like as a boring crowd than uh... yeah, a radio friendly sort of crowd. Like yeah. not like the not like the days of like. I know, like the uh, Seattle or live, live shit and binge. Um, but what was I about to say? Um, yeah, like there's a bit where James asked him. I think it's after the like the, the, the on coins. Like, did we not play your song? And then he's like, "What song do you want us to play?" And I do not hear anything. But I hear every, I hear nothing but Enter Sandman. Yeah, it's not. It's not they had even play Masters at this point. Yeah, everyone's like Sandman. I'm like, why would you not want to listen to Master of Puppets? So, yeah. This is also you know? too. I I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying, and uh, and I'm in agreement. I think, but uh-huh. this is also too. You know, Inter Sandman was still a newer song, right? It was like yeah. this was the first tour they were doing after the Black Album tour. It had been uh-huh. a couple years since they had been on the road, so I can get it a little bit more than like you know, maybe people yelling it now, you know. But I, yeah. I I do agree with what you're saying, and and I do think too to tie in with your point you know this is i think this is a great release as a whole and i and i don't Mm -hmm. want to go too much into this until the end but i i'm not but i would not rank it as um among their best official live releases um and just to kind of tease um you know at the end i think we can talk about where this lies for us in terms of their uh like officially released concert films um, yeah, but if for I'll just say to tease for me, this is mm-hmm. definitely, definitely not at the top. No, it's it's definitely a really good you know release. You know, it's sure the, the songs are there, the Metallica are on point, but the thing that kind of spoils it for me is the crowd. That as I said, it's I think the radio friendly sort of hang crowd. Mm-hmm. They weren't like like, uh, like they weren't like. You know, like, they may be like massive Metallica fans, but I think they're just really wanting the hits. And and I'm probably just looking at this from 2020 vision. I'm not looking at this 1997. Sure, you know? sure. And that could and easily that, be that's the that's case. My problem. You know, that's, that's my issue. Like, I, I didn't live in 1997, you know. But I think that's fair, though, to because there's going to be a difference, right, in how you mm-hmm. view this when it first comes out and how you yeah. view it now, right? Because things will age differently. For Some things age better, some things age worse, some things stay the same. You know, So I mm-hmm. think that needs to be part of the conversation at the end as well, is just yeah. sort of how this has aged, how this has stood up, and where it lies in the final thing. I do want to mm-hmm. get to, um, you know, I kind of brushed over it, uh, but the next song after Wherever May Roam is Fade to Black. It, but it's after Fade to Black, I think, where this set starts to become more interesting to me. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, because now we have the kill ride medley, which is something I believe they've only did during the load era. Um, it's mm-hmm. fine when I saw them in uh, uh, 2000 on the summer Sanitarium mm-hmm. tour for the first time, the set list was 
not much different than this except for the fact that they had new songs to add in like no leaf clover yeah. i disappear and they did not do the kill ride medley but they did do um mm-hmm. uh the sanitarium master puppets uh yeah. uh medley which is which i bring up because that's that's like kind of uh the next medley type thing they did after the kill ride medley and i think yeah. one of the last ones that they have done in a live setting because a lot of these songs in recent uh-huh. years they either have not performed at all or they've performed again in their entirety like yeah. the four horsemen hit the lights um Fredens. yeah fight fire with fire uh-huh. um so let's talk about this medley for a little bit i think it's i i, yeah. I really enjoy it i think it was a uh, uh you know with the large focus of the first half the set especially being on the newer material um yeah and you know them still having to get in those black album hits and everything i think this was a mm-hmm. really cool creative fun way to squeeze yeah. in a lot of different old school stuff that they just would not have had the time to play from start to finish yeah i will say like the way they seamlessly go into each other as a actually really, i really enjoy it like the way it goes into seek and destroy it into fight fire or fire with james just had that same note, just that chug. Oh, totally. Like, like I, I sat and watched like I sat and watched the other half today, and I was sitting there like, and I had to, I had to rewind it a couple times. Like I just kind of love that. Yeah. That, oh, well, one of, it, one of the things that makes Metallica such a great band, one of the many things mm-hmm. I should say, is their transitions are just flawless. The way whether it's uh you know an arrangement like this where they take songs of theirs or uh, uh, mm-hmm. when they did like the rainbow medley or when they did the merciful fate medley um, yeah. or when they just are structuring together their own songs their transitions from part to part are just mm-hmm. flawless and yeah. so expertly composed and executed and i think yeah. with this medley it is just it's no different the transitions from part to part are just so well done and i I'm just a I'm a really big fan of it. Yeah, I I, I did really enjoy it. Like uh, I kind of skimped over a wee bit. I was like, oh, it's not skimped over, but like I was like, oh, it's just gonna be like a bunch of songs put together. But as I, I was I was I'm watching it right now. So I was just sitting there like, this is surprisingly better than I thought it would be. Yeah, because it's because like it's just a mishmash of every like sort of like hit from like the early albums. And I was just right. gonna be like, uh, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be like usual, you know. But no, it was surprisingly really really good. And a lot of the lesser known ones, like, uh, yes, you have, you know, part of the Four Horsemen in there, which has definitely been performed, mm-hmm. but you also have like Phantom Lord and you have uh, mm-hmm. uh, No Remorse and you have, in yeah. a song like Hit the Lights and a song like Fight Fire with Fire, those songs mm-hmm. were not a, they're, they're, those are two songs that have increased rotation in recent yeah. years. You know, during this era, those songs were not performed on a regular basis. So to hear yeah, them. Like- right exactly and to, mm-hmm. so to hear them mixed in with this medley i think was a a, a really nice way to get some deeper cuts in there um yeah. and just really well done as a whole and i and i know a lot of fans are out there who are, are very fond of the kill ride medley um mm-hmm. so yeah i i i'm i'm a i think this was a highlight of uh yeah. the show i as you said, there's fans of the there's many fans of like the Kill Ride medley. My my favorite is uh, the Justice medley. Oh, med medley. That's yeah, the Justice of. medley is also fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, probably my go-to. It, it's also uh, it, it's similar, right? Where they have um, parts of songs that just have not been mm-hmm. 
performed frequently. Like it's one of the only ways you can hear Eye of the Beholder live. It's no, no. hearing that little snippet that they throw in the medley. I, I don't know why I don't play it because that opening dun, 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 is amazing. Like yeah. I remember when I was I remember when I first listened to that album and I only got it because it was um Guitar Hero Metallica had one and I'd never listened to one before, so I was playing Guitar Hero uh, Metallica played one on it. I was like, oh, what album's this on? Justice. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy Justice. And my dad, it was Eye Beholder, was like the first song in it. And um, I kept telling my dad, you need to replay it, replay it, replay it. I think he got sick of just fucking playing it. Like, I'm fucking, <laughs> just playing on a fucking song. <laughs> and it was like, that, just that opening. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a nice, big, beefy riff, too. And, you know, I think, I think with For the Band, you know, as they have said in countless interviews, like one of the big reasons the Black Album was what it was was because they were exhausted from playing the the long extended mm-hmm. compositions of Injustice for All on the road. And they seemed, yeah. and it seems like the, according to them, like it was not only were they tired, but the crowd was tired at the end of the set. And yeah. I think maybe that's part of why they uh, do not pull out too many songs. You know, once you, we always get mm-hmm. one. We frequently get black in these days, which is great. Yeah. Once in a great while that you might get Injustice for All. Harvester of Sorrow, of course, they pull up. Mm-hmm. That's one of the shortest songs. But really, yeah. like with the exception of those handful, you mm-hmm. really don't get get it like half the album really ever. And Eye of the Beholder yeah. especially is one that they just never pull out for one reason or another. No, I know. It's the same with Fred Ends. Fred Ends yeah. Society is a phenomenal riff. And as you said, like the Metallica thought their fans were getting tired of the set. In my opinion, like that's how you should go to a gig. You should go in like hyped and like by the end of it, you should be knack up. Like, oh, f- f- like because it makes you remember the gig more. You're like, I fucking love that gig. Yeah. Like, full of sweat and 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 it's funny, though, that was their opinion because they're like the Injustice for All album, and I say this in a mm-hmm. great way, is an exhausting album to listen to. And albums yeah. that came followed, like St. Anger. If you listen to that album start to finish, it's mm-hmm. an exhausting album to listen to. And some people might say for bad reasons too. Mm-hmm. But it like it's just a pummeling, relentless, dark album, you know? Yeah. It's uh, sort of similar with the uh, load and reload. I think St. Anger's getting like a a renaissance to I think a lot more people give it more credit now. I agree. Yeah. Um like Sweet Amber. That's probably the best song on the album for me. Yeah. Or some kind of monster. I think I can take or leave the the rest of the album like that. I don't. I'm not a fan of it. But those two songs are absolutely phenomenal. And as you said, it's an exhausting album to listen to. And so is just injustice. It's just beating like constant, like constant thrash metal. Yeah. And it's not like it was with a uh, master where you had like Orion or like, you had other slow songs to to kind of pad it out. And I'm not saying those songs are padded, like in Master, but like there was no more, there was no like slowdown. It was I was just hundred all the way, right? But like a Slayer album, yeah. you know, Slayer, Slayer, Slayer never so slows down for anyone. Yeah, it kind of feels like a bit like that. Yeah. So after the Kill Ride mud, uh, Mudley, I must say the medley, we uh, hard work. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, the uh. Aluminium Mudley. Um, <laughs> we we go into uh, another cover of the evening, our second punk cover. We started with So What, and now we're going into uh, Last Caress, mm-hmm. 
which I always love live. Um, yeah. It, I mean, I love the misfits. Metallica were my gateway into the misfits as I've discussed mm-hmm. before. Um, and how do you how, like, how can you not want to sing along to a song with the lyrics? I got something to say. I killed yeah. your baby today. I mean, if I, that doesn't yeah. put a, an evil smile on your face, then I don't know what will. Yeah. It's like the same sort of thing with the die, 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 my darling, or like green hell. Yeah, or even like so what? Like it's just that sort of kind of dark lyricism. It's totally. like you can laugh at. Sure. But again, with you, like it was the Metallica with the band that got me into Misfits, oh, yeah. and I'm not even gonna say I'm a big Misfits fan. I'm big. I'm like I'm I'm a fan of the, like the Metallica songs. Yeah. And I like as I got older, I listened to the Misfits versions, and I'm like, it's just it just they're just not the same. But I can I still do like them. You know, they're right. still good songs. I Misfits are by far my favorite uh, punk band, um, but um, again, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, but I'm not like a huge punk guy when it's all said and yeah. done. So maybe that's why. But um, and I fully recognize too that the Misfits mm-hmm. were not a great band, but they were no. at the same time an amazing band that were complete yeah. genius which i, I guess is the 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 thing about punk rock right yeah the misfits were ahead of their time for sure totally. and i don't think uh danza could you know like recapture that sort of lightning in a ball with his band danzig like you've got yeah. mother mother's, mother's the only good song from mother. that band and, that, and that's that's, that's Tell my opinion your children not to... i'm just gonna <laughs> sing over you it's like it's what a good song mean, but... what to say Water. but um Water! <laughs> <laughs> but um what do you call it no it's like, that's their only good song i don't think danzig could catch like a lightning in a bottle with danzig again like yeah. they did with misfits even though misfits were not a massive international band they were still well known in the sure. punk community sure but uh if as you said they're different they're your favorite i think probably Black Flag's probably my favorite punk band. Which is uh, an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. You know, that or Discharge. Also an excellent choice. The problem with Black Flag is that they've never been covered by Metallica, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true. How, do you, how do you cover Black Flag, though? I don't, you, I don't know. Get, I think you just gotta back up uh, Henry Rollins. <laughs> I know, like, you just get Henry Rollins in just to sing it for you? Yeah. <laughs> you can't even do like Black Flag without him. So after Last Caress, we have Master, Master of Puppets, mm-hmm. my all-time favorite Metallica song, my all-time favorite Metallica song. This is definitely a live staple, but one I want yeah. to hear in every live show because it is my favorite. It's near the end of the set list, as we've come to expect, but mm-hmm. you know what my negative is about this version? Well, guess. Guess. Solo. What about the solo? There's no there. Exactly. They only play nah, exactly. half the song, which I always I thought, which was the norm for this era, mm-hmm. but I always thought that was a little bit criminal. They do the first two verses, two choruses, and then when you hear the master, master, master. Yeah, it I ends, mean, and I'm like, no, I want to hear the do, 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 do. That's the whole best part of the song, though. Like, exactly. I was, I, see, when it said, I read the shit, said the shit list. The set list. The and, shit uh, list. The shit list. <laughs> I, I read the set list and I was like, what do you mean by shorter? And it clicked in my head and went, they're not going to play the James Hetfield solo. And I was like, that's the best bit of the song. Though. So I watched it and, it was, and then when it came up to that bit 
and you see James kind of leaning like into his guitar to try and make it like you know make it that sort of wah sound sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I was just waiting for. It. I was like, because he wasn't going to stand up. It was going right. and he just goes, dude, dude. I'm like, nope, nope. What a rap. I would have just <laughs> went him. <laughs> like, no, no, James solo or home. I remember when I uh, the first S and M came out in 1999, and I saw Master Puppets was on there, and I said to myself, they better have played the full version because that's how much of a norm it was for them to not play the normal the the full version even again going back to that uh 2000 summer sanitarium tour the first time i saw them live they did not play the full version they would go into uh welcome home sanitarium and then they go back into master puppets which was really cool but i that interlude the solo the the whole like it's a masterpiece it's a perfect song do not fuck with it that's no, my exactly. two cents that's my opinion um, it's a perfect sort of slowdown for a song and it's perfectly written like it's an absolute as you said masterpiece it's yeah that's the that's the issue with metallica is james doesn't solo enough and he should because he's a fantastic soloist the stuff he can come out with is probably the my like, i love kurt hammett's solos but like nothing kind of touches james's stuff it's just it's, i think it has a more, little more feel to it I think James is the greatest rhythm guitarist who has ever lived and mm-hmm. one of the most underrated soloists in the history of metal, at least. Yeah. I mean, I'll put Tony Iommi above uh, Tetfield because, yeah. you know, I mean, that's where everyone gets their other techniques from is Iommi. But definitely he's up there with the, one of the best rhythm guitarists and he's one of the most underrated soloists of all time. It's just those relentless downstrokes and the complex rhythms he would play or does mm-hmm. play while doing the vocals over it. Like, and yeah. you know, he's just, he's just the king of the riff in my eyes. Um, yeah. Even more so than Tony Iommi, you Sabbath fanboy. I mean, I'm I'm a Sabbath fanboy. I'm a talk <laughs> fanboy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm I'm literally talking shit for absolutely no reason because I, I because I everybody owes everything to Black Sabbath, and I, I mean, massively love Tony Iommi. But uh, you know, how can you, how can you not say like Iommi is like the the rough god because everything that's everything that's came after Sabbath like metal wise is from Sabbath. 100%. Like because even even me and my dad have said Metalcuffs. Not maybe not stolen, but like took elements of like Sabbath songs. One hundred percent. Metallica has taken yeah. elements of many bands, whether it be mm-hmm. Black Sabbath or Motorhead or Diamond I Head mean. or really obscure bands. Like if you listen to the episode I did, the second episode I did with John Cronarins a few episodes back, mm-hmm. he goes into all these obscure new wave of British heavy metal bands, and yeah. Metallica borrowed a bunch of stuff from those guys. That's what artists do: people borrow and they make their yeah. own, especially when they're younger and in their earlier days. Um, mm-hmm. And you're kind of wearing your influences a little bit more on your sleeve, you know. But and now yeah. I think it's just such all that stuff, Black Sabbath included, is just such a part of their DNA that it, it comes yeah. out naturally. Like when you listen to hardwired or self-destruct to me, mm-hmm. the song, am I savage or the song man unkind? There are just yeah. so many Sabbath sounding riffs in those two songs yeah. or dream no more, even with like the kind of the slower, chuggier Sabbath, yeah. truish type riff, like all that can be drawn back to black Sabbath. They are the blueprint that mm-hmm. every other band has followed without a doubt. I mean, if you want a really good example, you gave uh, Am I Savage and stuff, but I'll give you a good example of Lord Reload era 
the Metallica. Me and my dad think Metallica basically bumped off of uh, Sabbath is the whole Sabbath album, Dehumanizer, that whole sort of half step down yeah. sound was like, and when it goes into, when compared that to Load and Reload stuff, it just sounds so similar. Yeah. And it's like, I remember listening, I listened to I for the first time a couple of years ago and I was like, that just sounds like Load and Reload. What the fuck has Metallica <laughs> done here? <laughs> uh, but I mean, as you said, they, they, they borrow and make great, you know? Sure. So then we get halfway through Master Puppets and they transition right into mm-hmm. um so we talked about this obscure song Nothing Else Matters before. Now they go into another obscure deep track uh called um I think it's called like Enter the Sandman or it's called like Enter Night or something like that. I'm not yeah. really sure what it's yeah. called. But it's kind of a catchy song. It's called Man Sand Enter. <laughs> nailed it nailed it yeah um i mean it's a good song sorry i mean it, it, you're not going to get a metallica uh you're not going to get metallica live without hearing that song even yeah. if they do a half hour set like when they do like a you know like a like the global citizens fest for something you know interesting is going to be one of those songs it's just yeah. it it's it's their welcome to the jungle it's their back yeah. in black it's their massive stadium hit that every single person in the world knows you might not be able to you might not know any metallica song but you most Mm -hmm. definitely know interesting man yes it's basically their ace of spades or their tripper or their paranoid absolutely it's it's their crowd wake up song like the show's about to end like we're playing the hits absolutely that's a good one but um yeah I said disappointment when this song came on purely because Master of Puppets, but it's it's just a good song. Like I've heard it played many times live, like from live footage. As you said, I have had my sort of fix of it, so I'm kind of more like, eh, how well can I do it this time? Yeah. Oh, uh, so this is still like a still a good you know, version of it. I will I will say this, but it's just saying, man, they've done a couple things in the last. A uh, couple years have sort of reignited my uh, interest in the song because I think the acoustic arrangement that they did mm-hmm. at the first Helping Hands is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I thought it really kind of breathed new life into it. And actually, the orchestral arrangement they do for S and M two I thought was really fantastic. And just yeah. I thought that rendition was so much fun. And uh, the arrangement's slightly different than the original S and M one, and I think it works way better than the original S and M one personally. Yeah. And I, I thought those two versions of the song were just really, really great. And it kind yeah. of like those were those that was the first time uh, mm-hmm. when I heard those first two when I heard those two versions. Those were the those are the only two times when I mm-hmm. heard Inter Sandman live. Um, within the last, let's say, decade, and went mm-hmm. back and re-listened to the live version. Yeah, I mean, I've still need to listen to the whole of S and M too. I've only listened to Dead Never Comes and uh, Ella Torn because it was just yeah. my, one of my, again top five songs. Yeah, like, Dead Never Comes an absolute amazing song, and I, I I think it really does benefit from um, S and M too. Yeah, the, the orchestral sort of style. I loved S and M too. I. I actually need to go back and like re-listen to it. I spent mm-hmm. so much time with that album between 
doing stuff for the podcast, doing the reviews for metaltalk.net, and then just listening to it as a fan when it first came out. I feel like there was like a two-month stretch in August and September where I listened to nothing but SM2, and then October rolled around, and I just kind of took a break from it because I was like, I've listened to this album every day for two months. (laughs) But because I got... um, I was lucky enough to get an uh, an early copy of it for the Metal Talk review. So I was oh. like two months. I was like listening to it and loving mm-hmm. it. And then October came around, and I was just like, "All right, I need to like take a step away and listen to other stuff." And then I just yeah. have not been back yet. But now, as we're talking about, it, I'm like, "Wait, it's it's been a it's been a few months now. I need to go back and yeah. and uh, and experience it all over again because those are yeah. great arrangements." Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, and the and the I think the some of the new arrangements are some of the highlights of the show, like you said, the day that never comes, um, mm-hmm. the the arrangements that they did uh, that they brought back for the first one, I think, are among the best of the best. And I think yeah. the ones that are slightly different, like Inter Sandman, Master Puppets, I think they work better the second go around. To be honest, than they do yeah, the first I mean, go around. I've only to those ones, uh, but the the the, the day never comes is really good. Yeah, Outlaw, that one's really Outlaw well done. Torn, Torn is better the second time than it is the first time. Yeah, definitely. Because like, I remember when it first came out, when it first came out in August, was it August, and I listened to it side by side with SNM One. I was like, it's just so much better than this first one. Right. Yeah. But tangent to other songs again, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> Except yeah. now, Inter Sandman is playing. It's filling. The arena, everybody's like, excellent. Yeah. And then <laughs> chaos ensues. It's time for the cunningest of stunts. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, so did you know this was what I, I say that I ask you this because you are uh, a younger fan. So I'm not sure if you knew that that happened on the low tour before you watched this. Like, did you, did you hear about it and then see it? Or did you have no idea that was what they did? I had no idea. I hadn't listened to Load Me Load until I was about 13, 14. Yeah. So, like, these songs were, like, fresh to me. And I, I, I can't really remember watching it as a wee kid. Like, oh, I've seen us all this happen. Yeah. But, what, but watching it back now, and I, I, I can't, as I said, I've come to this, I couldn't help but laugh. A few, <laughs> a, a few elements. One is James' acting. When like the guys like like falling around, James is not. He's I mean he's kind of been a better actor now in that film with uh, Zach Efron or something. Like that. He's actually pretty good in that. But um, <laughs> but back then he was he's like whoa whoa. I'm like that's just fucking terrible, James. What the fuck is that? It also, then, in fairness, was probably the hundredth night in a row he was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh I yeah, mean, this again, just like the last hundred nights. <laughs> I mean, um, you've got all the sparks. The guy jumps out and he's on fire. Like, where the fuck did the fire come from? Like, but like, a guy's a guy's engulfed in flames. You don't see any fire. Like, open it's, like, it's definitely their Michael Bay moment. I think yeah. though, like, it. I think like on the when you watch it on video, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not the same as when you experience it live because. Like this yeah. was pretty much you have to think when this was happening in 1997 this is like pre-internet so it's not like people necessarily unless they had gone to a previous show or it 
or they personally knew somebody who went to a previous show. They have no clue this is happening. So when you're there live, then all of a sudden you're just like, wait, what the fuck is going on? There's a guy on I mean, fire. Like you're, and you're not watching like when all this is going on, you're probably not watching like Heffield's corny expressions. You know, you're like, yeah. holy shit, there's a guy falling. <laughs> and I was going to get to that point. The, the crowd, and from what I seen, and I literally watched this about an hour ago, the crowd just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, 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 this guy's on fire. This guy's about to fucking fall for his death. And they're like, yeah, fucking. Ugh. And I'm like, this guy could be fucking dying. You're screaming fucking, yeah. What the fuck is this push? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, some, see, if I was, see if I was in that gig and I seen some guy, like, fucking on fire. And like some guy fall for the heights and all that, yeah. I would be, I would be screaming. I'd be like, "What the fuck's going on? Is he alright?" <laughs> even got, like they, they went the full way. They got a stretcher and everything. So that's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so believable. Like if you were there live and they're just fucking like, yeah. Fort Worth, like fucking yes, death, <laughs> death. I'm like, what? Well, two things. I, I liked when they uh, recreated this for through the never. They kind of brought back like like uh remnants of all their previous tours like doris yeah. from justice and 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 they brought back uh you know the stage collapse from the loader and i thought that was brilliant um another thing i really like about this though is more so than like the the cunning stunt if you mm-hmm. will um is uh I, I i like when they lower the lights and it just creates yeah. like this really intimate um mm-hmm. almost garage band feel like which was, was exactly what they were going for for the last two tracks yeah. um and, and that reminds me of um you know what they did with uh world wired did you see them on that tour yeah i mean no i didn't see them at all i've seen footage of it i was going to go see them but tickets literally ran out like the, the, yeah. like, the day after i got paid but i can't make a joke uh you sure said, i'll allow it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said when they lowered the lights they literally lowered the lights. There's lights dangling. <laughs> yeah. They literally lowered the lights. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. Like uh, these little uh, like camping lights, basically. Yeah. I mean, they have, to, they have to pull the string to turn it on. So. Like the lights Heffield used to ice fish in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, the same the lights they lowered onto idea. the stage at yeah. the end of the show. But I, I mean, mean, yeah. So they literally lowered the lights. But yeah, on you go. Sorry, my my bad. No, no, you're fine. And so. <laughs> Then on uh, on the World Wire tour, what I was saying was yeah. they do this thing where they uh, they basically have it's such a massive stage because they're playing stadiums, mm-hmm. right? I'm talking about the first like yeah. which was the stadium like, and they have a second drum set that comes up at the front mm-hmm. of the stage, and then like on the little front of the ramp, yeah. all four members stand really close together to kind of recreate like mm-hmm. this intimate garage band moment, and they do. Um, Mm-hmm. I was going to say Seek and Destroy, but I feel like that was at the end of the set. So it was probably another song, maybe like Motor Breath or Whiplash or something like that. Yeah. I forget what the song was, at least when I saw them live. But it's yeah. similar to what they did here. And they play mm-hmm. Am I Evil, which mm-hmm. is, of course, a uh, you know Diamond Head song, goes way back to yeah. their early years. And then uh, end mm-hmm. with Motor Breath, which is just a really fun way to yeah. end the show. Yeah, definitely. But um, there's also cure uh they played that the cure all oh, right yeah uh, yeah yeah before, good call uh, before am, am i evil and yeah. like james is not really doing much james is just kind of fanning the button like solo a wee bit like he's just he's not putting effort yeah. on it but you get reason why because it's a jam but kurt is playing his like his see-through telly yeah. I, I, oh yeah i love I, that guitar i mean 
Oh, I've got a different opinion. I mean, I own a Telecaster myself. <laughs> myself. A lot, right? People either love it or hate it. There's no in yeah. between with that guitar. I mean, I mean, I would. I have a Telecaster myself, and like, it's. I mean, it's a cool, cool concept design. Like, yeah, yeah like, like, and I prefer. I, I think I would have preferred it if it was actually the original design, where it's actually pissing it. <laughs> yeah, I think I would have preferred that more. But it's just like cool blue liquid, and I'm like, okay, it's so nineties, and it's so it's it is. That's why I love it. I think it brings me back to the nineties. Um, old. Remember that from the first episode. So, um, but I I remember reading an interview with him, and he was saying how this that guitar is like so like funny looking you know but yeah, it has like it, it has such a heavy uh tone so he mm-hmm. he'll play it on like the heaviest thrashiest songs but it's like yeah. the most like lighthearted looking out of all of his yeah. guitars <laughs> you like the thing is like you say it's like heavy tone but it's actually it weighs a ton apparently it's so yeah. heavy like purely because it's what's made of like that see-through sort of plexiglass or yeah thing. And also, it got all the stuff connected to like the neck and the head and stuff. Right. But which is probably a big reason why we don't see it this day. I wonder where that guitar is now. He must still have it somewhere in storage. Probably. I mean, he's. Uh, I imagine so. It's probably but, at Metallica HQ being taken care of by uh, Zach yeah. or somebody. Yeah, it's getting dusted down every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in case it gets brought. It gets. Uh, they have to. They give it a fresh blue liquid every day. Yeah, I mean, they, they brush it down for one... In case it gets used one last time. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's not, that's not, I'm not a fan of it, but the the concept is cool. Yeah. It's just so 90s and it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a child of the 90s, I mean, I was born in 85, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I my, my childhood was the 90s. So, as a child of the 90s, yeah. maybe I appreciate it more. Um, yeah. But I like to, you know, to go back to your part where they do the cure jam, they mm-hmm. they basically end the show the same way that they started, right? They come on stage yeah. at the beginning, the arena lights are on, they start jamming on bad seed, they go right into so what. It's just a fun, loose, light way to start the show before yeah. like they break into creeping death and then the lights activate. And that's sort of like when the show like almost formally begins, so to speak. Yeah. And now it's sort of the same way where like they they've the had their they've had Interstellar right their big hit and then they yeah. have this massive explosion and crazy <laughs> chaos you know guy on fire <laughs> and now they kind of just bring it back down to the roots right where it's just them jamming kind of more of mm-hmm. a garage band feel and I yeah. wonder too you know I'm just kind of thinking as I talk here but mm-hmm. it's funny that this is the show in 1997. That they're mm-hmm. doing that type of stuff. You you see covers like Last Caress and Am I Evil and so what yeah. making the set. You see them trying to do like this kind of more jam garage band feel. Mm-hmm. And it's a couple years later where they jump back into the covers and do garage jink. I wonder if that's a coincidence or if that was just kind of where their mind was, like kind of trying to just get in touch with some mm-hmm. of those early bands again, you know, and just kind of re- yeah. now that they're a massive success selling out arenas around the selling out arenas around the world maybe that was just their small way of like trying to reconnect with those early garage years get back to the to the early days i would i would assume sort of uh, i can see where you're coming from but i think they did record a good bunch of like garaging with, with during like the load when they recorded load and reload i'm not sure if they recorded this two albums in the same time i'm pretty sure they didn't because of fuel uh, because feel was a demo during the show, yeah. But, um, 
I'm pretty sure they did record like the two, and they certainly recorded the even earlier songs like Blitzkrieg and Diamond Head, uh, Am I Evil, like even earlier. So I think like during those sort of like recording sessions of Load and Reload, they were recorded and they just you know they had ready to go. Maybe like uh, turn the page or something like that was like they had to redo and maybe did that re- reload. But I'm not, I'm not sure. sure. I feel like well, obviously all this too was previously released stuff. So all mm-hmm. like the Am I Evils and everything, all that stuff was out for years, just hard to get yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. And then the disc one stuff, I'm not sure if it was recorded over time. I want to say it was recorded pretty quickly, though, in the same mm-hmm. amount of time, like in a couple weeks span. So I, yeah. I'm i not sure it was recorded when they were on tour. But I definitely think if, it, if the recording had not started, that they were uh, definitely jamming on some of that stuff and kind of starting mm-hmm. to maybe pick some songs, especially at least on the Reload yeah. tour after this, where poor Tori Me is uh, carrying on. Uh, can I make it full circle for Beyond Magnetic? Absolutely. We were talking about how Lane Stanley and all that, like how that's ba- that name, the album is basically like named after him, sort of thing, right? Yes. Like different songs. As the story goes, oh, but, yes. Yeah. Um, well, Jerry Cantrell was a guitar player on Turn the Page. Oh, no, it was Tuesday's Gone. Yeah. Tuesday's Gone, that's Yeah, totally. Yeah. Makes it full circle. Yeah. Uh, it's connected. It's connected some way. We're connecting these episodes. there's gotta be there's gotta be some kind of connection to these random episodes we do together so like that always funny meme where i try to connect the dots (laughs) (laughs) so where does uh cutting stunts rank for you you know we have we look at all the official releases there's many now there's uh uh you know from live ship binge and purge we have cliff them all before that uh to more recent ones like the big four dvd um and several others um and, and I, i'm not even counting you know acid m and acid m2 yet but we can throw those yeah. in there as well so where does cutting stunts uh land for you uh in terms of their official concert releases probably top five probably due because of the attitude the band has like that sort of zero fucks you yeah. know that like the no one likes their new albums or is like, ah, oh, fuck it. We're just going to play new songs anyway. Yeah. You know, fuck Which them. they've always done and I've always appreciated. Because yeah. there's always a large percentage of people there too who love the new stuff and are familiar with it. But yeah, there's also always that secondary group, I feel like, that's like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially like, during this era. I think less yeah. so now with like Death Magnetic and then Hardwired. But definitely mm-hmm. during the load era, there were definitely those, you know... Uh, old school 80s metalheads there that yeah. were like oh, I'm, I'm going for uh you know i'm going for uh uh motor breath and yeah. master puppets and yeah. fucking till sleeps yeah like the, that it's like that um what was i gonna say like yeah like the guy who's like they would be going to concert but yeah i might go see metallica 1983 in new york say uh, when I was like 17 years old, it's the best thing ever. So why are you here now? I want to see the same songs. Like, <laughs> you, know, you can listen to new stuff. It may not, you might not tickle your fancy, but like yeah. in a live setting, they still might be good. Yeah. You know, like I might not like, I might not like Am I Savage. Right? I, 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 I've been on record saying it's not my favorite song. Like I kind of hate it to be honest. And mm. if I played it live, I'd probably still love it. Like, cause it's a good live setting. Yeah. And I think every, song metallica does live is elevated like mm-hmm. how many people do not like 
uh, the Saint Anger album. But when they play Frantic or the song Saint Anger live, including mm-hmm. on their last go around on the World Wire tour, people were digging yeah. them like, oh yeah, that would, that fit in perfectly with the rest of the songs. And it, you know, it, it just has you know, nothing beats Metallica live. There is no such thing as a bad Metallica concert. There's just ones that are better than others, in my opinion. Yeah, um, some some elevate them, some elevate them to other standards, and some don't. Yeah, songs for me. I think uh, I I have a soft spot in my heart, like I was saying in the first part for Cunning Sons, because uh, this was, you know, came out when I was in middle school. I had the VHS. I would mm-hmm. uh, I watched a shit ton of it. I would rewatch yeah. that the Jason Newstead, Kirk Hammett bass guitar duel that we talked about in the first part. I, mm-hmm. you know, I I would uh, I th- there was just so much about the show that I loved, and you know, this like Heffield. And like studying mm-hmm. his stance and studying the way he was playing guitar and just like yeah. his whole stage presence. Like this is sort of, you know, uh, my first introduction to it because I feel like I had this before the live shit bench and purge box set. Um, mm-hmm. I had Cliff. I think I figured it out in my head. I was trying to debate. I think I had Cliff them all first mm-hmm. and I just would like watch every Cliff Burden yeah. solo to death. And then yeah. I had cunning stunts. And then I got the box set, I think, after this, mm-hmm. if memory serves me correctly, even though I could be messing that up. But th- either way, even if I got live shit first, this was still, you know, an early uh, way for me to uh, experience band life because I had not I was in middle school. I had not seen them live in yeah. person yet. So these VHS tapes that I had were my gateway to see my favorite band live. And, it's, yeah. and, you know, it's not like there was YouTube. It's not like the the Internet was a thing when I was in, uh, you know, seventh eighth grade or whatever yeah. so this was my way of experiencing it yeah i mean it still is like some some of you it still is my way of experiencing metallica live i've still never seen them like live like they've came up my city countless times either i was too young or i didn't have money to go see them yeah i, I i'm gonna be honest i do not know if i'll ever get to fucking see them because oh, you will you will connor i have yeah. faith i'm holding the faith <laughs> this covid shit is going yeah. to Pass concerts are going to come back. They're going to yeah. be touring the world behind their next <laughs> album, which is going to be out sooner than later. And really you helpful. are going to see them in uh in Scotland. I I, yeah. I I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully I'm, they're I'm not seventy years old, but it will happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm a bit doubtful, but I did go see Black Sabbath when I was fourteen, and God knows how old. Aussie and Iomi were back then. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and I, I've seen Iron Maiden twice, and they are, I don't know about six now, roughly. I think they're about sixty. I can't yeah. tell. But like, it, I, I do have a tiny bit of hope. But Metallica released albums every seven years, so you know, it's a, it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> with all my compliments aside about cutting stunts and the sauce by having my heart, I would not rank it though in near the top of their official releases. I think, you know, it, it was a lot of fun going back and hearing the load tracks just because I have not seen uh, those songs or heard yeah. them live in so many years. But I think in the Kill Ride medley was a lot of fun. Some of the covers were fun, but it's kind of a more what I would call or rather what Lars Ulrich would call kind of a stock set list in, in, for yeah. 2020 Metallica. Um, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. It's just not the most exciting thing. So it was really fun going back to revisit it. And I'm looking forward to revisiting it in, you know, several years again down the road. But I don't think this is one that I have to revisit, um, yeah. you know, frequently or anytime real soon again. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you my top number one uh, favorite live release is probably Seattle, and it's probably Cliff Mall. I mean, Seattle. Yeah. I mean, those two are. Uh, I mean, Seattle '89 is uh, a classic, one that will definitely break down at some point during uh, for an episode of this podcast. And Cliff Mall, mm-hmm. same thing. I I got I got to do a a breakdown of that release as well. There's so many to get yeah. to. You know, you would think that eventually. I you would run out of things when you release a a, a monthly or now a, as it stands yeah. a weekly Metallica podcast, but really there's no shortage of things to talk about or people to mm-hmm. talk with about it, um, and that's why I love doing this, or one of the many reasons mm-hmm. why I love doing this. And Connor, it was great having you on uh, for your third time, third yeah. and last time. Oh, what? But, I'm just kidding. <laughs> imagine, imagine if I just said third and last time, then like press stop and just like never yeah. talked to you again. <laughs> I know. Like, I felt the code. Come on now. Um, it's been a pleasure being on. It always is to have it talking shit about Metallica. So. And, and it's always fun doing it with you and. Uh, everybody else who's been so kind to come on this show where can everybody find you connor on uh, the socials twitter. uh twitter at my underscore gran uh, the m is a cap- m is a capital excellent and just like in part one you can find the link in the episode description connor this was fantastic thank yeah, you it was amazing thank you thanks for having us A huge thank you to Connor for coming back on Metallicast to finish our conversation about cunning stunts. This was a lot of fun. I have not done a two-part episode since year one of Metallicast, and this marks the end of year three. If you missed the live stream we did this past Saturday, please check out the video either on the at Metallicast Pod Facebook page or on the Fans on Experts YouTube page, or check it out in podcast form wherever you found this here episode. Follow Connor on social media. You can follow him on Twitter at MA underscore GRAN at MA underscore GRAN. Click on the link in the episode description to make your follow even that much easier. This is the end of year three of Metallicast, as I just said, and I do want to give a huge thank you to everybody in the Metallicast Monday Show for supporting the show. If you're new to the show and you liked what you heard, please help me spread the word so I can continue to grow. Subscribe, download, leave a positive five-star review in Apple Podcasts. I do want to correct one thing. I kept saying in the live stream that... This episode would be the last new episode of 2020, which is correct. But then I kept saying that we would be taking a short two-week break and returning on Monday, January 14th, when the actual date is Monday, January 11th. So maybe made a date mistake. I corrected it in the episode description for the live stream. But just in case you missed that because you are like most people and completely skip over the episode description of a podcast. Let me say it now. We will be returning Monday, 
January 11th. Follow Metallicast on social media at Metallicast Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please, again, let me say thank you for supporting this show. Thank you to all the great guests I had on this past year. And I just want to take a quick moment to say, without you listening, there obviously can be no podcast. And Metallicast has grown a lot in the last year. We went from one new episode a month to one new episode a week, a monthly live stream. I have started collaborating with MetalTalk.net on articles and interviews. So big shout out to them and a huge thank you to them as well. And just thank you to every guest who came on. I had so many dream guests on this past year. So many great new guests and returning guests. It was just a great, great year. And I'm beyond excited for year four in 2021 and beyond. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Middle up your ass, yeah! Fans not experts.